Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Harold White, and as usual, I'm with Ashley Mahoney. Hello, Ashley. Your favorite troublemaker, <laughs> coffee connoisseur, or something like that. I mean, I might have to turn my hat in. I'm trying to be better. It's 2020, less coffee, more water. It's not working. It's really not working. Uh, yeah, some habits are very hard to break. Well, we have to find out if our guest today is a coffee junkie like myself. I, boss, I don't know how you do it without the coffee. It's, it's a miracle. It's magical. It's something I don't think I'll ever be able to aspire to. But Dustin Swinehart of Charlotte MLS, formerly Charlotte Eagles, Project 658. Thank you so much for joining us. And are you a coffee drinker? Great to be with you all. It's an honor. And interesting fact, I've never had a cup of coffee. I'm convinced people who don't drink coffee are just happier because the two of you just have a level of energy and enthusiasm and productivity. Don't forget the serenity. Oh, no, I'm twitching without the coffee. It's it's bad. It's really, really bad. So never had a cup of coffee. That's right. Just yeah. decided never to try it. I know some people are like, oh, I don't like the smell. Don't like oh, the taste. yeah. I'm just not like a huge coffee flavor person. Mm, okay. So it's, I don't have like a vendetta against coffee. I just don't. So it's a, the it's a waste of hot water. There you go. The hot water is offended. <laughs> so, so offended by that. Yes. But My wife loves coffee. She, I like know, your wife. So there you go. <laughs> but personally, yeah, that's okay. all good. Okay. Well, I know I've seen people come in, you know, before matches and they'll have a cup of coffee in their hands and. I would do that in college before practices. You know, we'd have that late 7 o'clock, 8.30 training session. I'd be walking up with a cup of coffee. I'd be like, what are you doing? You're not going to sleep. And that <laughs> might explain why I did not sleep at all my junior season. Gotcha. But yeah, this, up at night. just a little bit, just a little bit. There's a good possibility. My, my like, pre-game snack beverage during my professional career was very different than coffee. Okay. It's a true story. So before every match... Um, and I played 450 professional matches. But I had a pack of zebra cakes, the little Debbie cakes, and a can of Sprite. Really? So I probably more like want sugar and, you know. Okay. Yeah, that was nice. So I was Sprite and zebra cake before every single game. So, yeah. That I'm not takes retired. off the sugars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a theory that my mom had before every track meet and soccer game in high school for my brother and sister and kind of for me a little bit. She would bring baby carrot sticks. Okay. And I remember the one time that she brought them for me, I scored a hat trick that okay, game. Okay, there you go. So <laughs> Start I, having them like every game. Exactly. Yeah. You'll, you'll see me wander around the office, a cup of coffee and, and a bunch of carrot sticks. There you go. She's a bunny. She's basically a bunny. Yeah. She runs a coffee and carrot sticks. <laughs> That's awesome. That is fun. <laughs> so tell us a bit about, you know, you mentioned 450 professional, I don't think I've played 450 in my life. <laughs> if we count teeny tiny days, maybe, but 450. Yeah. A lot of time between 1996 and 2010, most of which were spent here with the Charlotte Eagles. But tell us a bit about your once upon a time moment with the game. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So it was um, honestly like a dream come true. I remember when I was uh, 16 years old and I was like, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I said, I want to be a missionary or be involved in outreach work and I want to be a professional athlete. And, uh, and I knew that kind of as I was growing up. And then, I, you know, graduating college, the ability to jump into that professional playing career was, was amazing. It wasn't always easy, right? I mean, I think every athlete would tell you that, you know, the journey isn't just like all peaks, right? There's valleys and challenges. But, um, 
but it was a really it's it was a transformative time in my life you know to just step into doing something that I loved at a professional level um, to play and to be on a team and to compete arm in arm uh, with a group of players and teammates uh, to, to achieve great things was it was special so I was really thankful I was you know really blessed not to have a lot of injuries so that helped me play for a long time and um, and I think at the end of the day it just was I felt like the whole time I was playing I was doing something I was designed to do right like I just felt like it was I was kind of meant for this and um, and that was a real real blessing so to do it for 14 years um, and to have a chance to play all over the world, um, to be a part of the, you know, the professional soccer fabric of, of the U.S. was a gift. And it's something I don't take lightly, something I look at as like just a great privilege. Um, and, yeah, I mean, just memory after memory after memory. I have just kind of this weird deal where, like, I can remember details of, like, games and moments, you know, that, you know, just there's so many great things in the show. Yeah. As a player, you know, and I guess you know, there's that age-old question on are players born or made? Oh, yeah. Which one are you? That's a good question. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would say obviously, and I think at the end of the day, it's a little bit of both. I think you're, I think you are kind of born and gifted with some certain set of talents, and that you kind of have a natural kind of lean toward. But I don't think it happens just naturally, right? I think you have to work really, really hard, and so I think that you know, I just throughout my career committed to work really hard at this at the trade that I was going to press into so that included just fitness work and you know technical work and all those things but so maybe it's both I probably I think people would probably look at me and say it came more natural than it felt like it was hard work um, and maybe that's what you start to see in, with people at a high level it's like well it just feels like it's it's more natural than anything but um, good question though <laughs> is it something where the work should feel effortless? And I know people will reference, you know, contemporary greats with you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and what he's sure. accomplished with his career, Messi and what he's accomplished. And then for those who want to go ever so slightly further back, Zinedine Zidane and just mm-hmm. the way that their game was, this is the highest level and this is the elite portion of the highest level. Mm-hmm. But just to attain that flow and effortless and you watch it and think how did that just happen but oh wait he just did it again yeah I think I think when you see people do something that they were designed to do and they were elite at right that it tends to look effortless you know and it's not effortless that's not but it just it looks really natural and I think you um, you see that in some of the highest athletes of the world right I mean I think when you watch a great golfer you watch Tiger Woods or whoever it's like they make the game look effortless or easy you know um and you know it's not but somehow it just looks really natural and so um i just yeah i think personally i think what what comes to the surface is this picture that you're doing something you feel like you were designed to do there's a lot of enjoyment in it right and so you're fulfilling something that you're passionate about and so i think for people that do that it's like it doesn't feel like work right it feels like a gift and i think that's the real real beauty in it and the gift is fun so yeah. you do it over and over and over because yeah. you want to get that fun high that's right yeah. that's right yeah <laughs> and so you know when you find something that you're good at and you love and people say if you could do those two things you never have to work another day in your life right um and there's something to that um yeah so it, it was honestly it was 14 years of playing that have been one of the greatest blessings in my life so 
everyone knows about your time with the Eagles. Where else did you play? Yeah, so I spent... Um, I mean, so I, I, I played in Virginia Beach. I spent a stint in Minneapolis. I spent um, a stint uh, around with the Columbus crew. I spent time with the Richmond Kickers. Um, had small training opportunities kind of with D.C. United and F.C. Dallas. Um, so kind of a smattering of places, but Charlotte was really kind of the home base. Um, and it, honestly, it started to become a place that was home for us as a family and had some opportunities come up that we said, no, we want to stay here. This is home. Um, so now you talk about the fun, the effortless look <laughs> of it all. Yeah. But at some point in time, everybody retires. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what have you been we doing? We all get old. <laughs> well, or at least, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> old, old can be Seasoned a good one. Age, yeah. fine wine, Wise, really good cheese, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah, transitional. Yeah, there you go. And in that transition, what did you do in terms of other opportunities once the playing days included? Yeah, to be honest, I think it's one of the harder transitions that I've gone through, and I think it's one of the harder transitions that you see athletes go through, which is if someone's played for a really long time and you come to that retirement moment, um, you know, you're – you're stepping away for something that's more than just a game, right? I mean, there's camaraderie, there's competition, there's all these pieces. There's a, there's a very tangible goal that you're going for each and every day. Um, so to step away from that, it, it does get hard. You know, you, people kind of mocked Brett Favre when he would come back occasionally, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's something to it. I think once you've experienced that competitive environment and team environment, and you, it's hard to let go, let go of it. So... So the transition um, for me uh, was probably twofold. It was um, I'm going to be finished playing at a competitive level, and I had some very concrete markers for what I wanted to do, which is I said I wanted to play until I was 35, which um, I ended up playing until I was 36. But I wanted to play until I was 35. I wanted to um, play till my kids could remember me playing so they would have memories of like going to dad's games um and I still wanted to be good right so that was my third thing I didn't want to be the old guy that had kind of like become irrelevant <laughs> kind of hobbling around yeah. holding down that bench. so so when I got to that place I was 36 and our team um we competed we lot you know we finished in the national championship game and um but transitioning away is like how, how do you replace that Right? How do you replace something that means so much and feels like this fulfillment of design? And um, For me, it became two things. It became, how do I um, engage our city right, as a way to continue to make a difference and let that become, um, in a positive way, kind of a, a fun, competitive environment? Can we grow an impact in a, in a city? Um, just like on a team we were trying to build an impact on the field, we said, how can we build it in the city? Um, and then the other part was to get into coaching was to begin to invest into the next generation of players um, and to be involved, you know, in the game that way. So those became the two, you know, kind of primary transitional avenues for me, which was to find fulfillment uh, in serving our city well, in growing impact there, and, and to invest in others. And now you've seen, not, <laughs> I hate to say the game come full circle from sure. the 80s and even before that for whatever Charlotte soccer looked like before certain members of this conversation were alive. Just saying. Yeah, just <laughs> saying. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> but when you see the organization you're part of now, yeah. and I'm sure for 
a lot of people, December 17th, 2019 is going to be a very significant day in Charlotte soccer history. Absolutely. If, if you're listening to this and you have no clue what we're talking about, Charlotte landing the 30th MLS expansion mm-hmm. franchise, Commissioner Don Garber saying, hey, this may be it. 30 mm-hmm. may be the cap. And then bringing on the three known hires mm-hmm. that Charlotte MLS has announced, knowing that 2021 is right around the corner because we're midway through January. Yeah. And something that you mentioned earlier this week when we spoke is that you get one shot at a first impression. That's right. What does that first impression look like? Yeah. Um, well, I would I would say it's a special moment for Charlotte and it's a special moment for the soccer community. You know, I've had a chance to be um, in Charlotte for 22 years and to really give, you know, half of my life into the soccer community here, to the city overall. And so um, having been around it for a long time and see, you know, the professional environment grow and continue to kind of bubble up and up and up and then see the youth game grow and to have this kind of special moment where there's this you know kind of the highest level the MLS is here it's a special moment for our city for all this soccer community and honestly it's a special moment for me too like just personally just to be able to look and go this is amazing like this you know MLS is here and and in some ways it's felt like all of us have been pushing towards this moment for a really long time, whether we called it that or not, right? Like we're all trying to advance the game forward. So, so very special for all of us, um, you know, and what's the impression look like? Um, I think this message has been very consistent and it's from our owner, uh, Mr. Tepper to our president, Tom Glick, um, to the staff that's starting to be built. It's this, the first impression is we need to be great on the field and we need to be great in the community that we have to be great in both places. Um, to, to fail to do that on either side, right, uh, it, the team won't be as successful as, it's, as it should be. So I think the first impression is that we're a club that cares about our city, we're a club that cares about the Carolinas, um, that we're a club that's going to listen, we're a club that wants to be a part of the community. You know, our, our president, Tom Glick, said it really well. He said, we're not bringing soccer to Charlotte. It's already here. We're adding to it, right? We're a piece of the family. And I think that's the impression, right, that, that Charlotte, Charlotte MLS is here to join the fabric of what um, soccer is in the Carolinas. So I think, I think that our disposition is we want to be great on the field, we want to be great in the community. And that's really what the impression is. And, and it's, it's very genuine, it's authentic, um, and I think you hear it from the top down, that, that that's, that's who we are and that's how we're going to live this out. So that's the impression we want to make, right? That's the impression we're shooting for, and I get the honor to be a part of helping do that. Now, you, you bring up uh, you know, making that first impression. Now, I'm going to go off on a different Go wherever you want. This. Wherever you want. Well, thanks. I it's your show. <laughs> but when you, have, you know, when you have somebody like yourself, Mm-hmm. who is more ingrained in Charlotte's fabric mm-hmm. than the owner mm-hmm. and in terms of years. Sure. We're not talking about in terms of investment. That's yeah. a totally different ballgame. Sure, sure. <laughs> but sure. in, terms of, in terms of years, the owner, new to the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other couple of known hires with this franchise, mm-hmm. they come from someplace else. Yeah. As someone who is, <laughs> if not native-born, longtime Charlotte resident, Basically How Charlotte. big of a deal yeah. is it 
for you to be involved in that in, in this particular enterprise given your history with this community yeah well I think it's a good you know it's a very good observation that a bunch of our leadership team aren't from here and when this opportunity came up um, uh, you know Tom Glick sat down and said you know ultimately that we see what you've invested here that we need someone on our leadership that understands the city, that understands the soccer community, understands the dynamics that exist in our kind of multicultural communities, um, and really said we we need you to be a part of this team. And I look at that as just one of the highest privileges uh, to do it. So I think it's really important, right? I mean, I think that we will build a team um, in Charlotte MLS overall, that's a combination of new people that are moving here, just like our city has new people moving here, right? Yeah, that's and, rare to find somebody born and raised in yeah. Charlotte. <laughs> and I think we're going to, I know we're going to build a team with people that have been here for a little while, you know? Yeah. I mean, but I think personally, it's um, it's very honoring to be seen as the, you know, someone that can help lead, kind of carry the Charlotte voice into the conversation with our with our leadership overall. So I think it was, a, you know, I'm honored they, they chose to offer that role to me, and I feel a high responsibility to it and a real privilege to it. No pressure, though, right? No pressure. Joy, <laughs> right? It's going to be fun. So what's next on your end? Of course, there's the matter of TikTok and our girl season coming up and yeah. building all of that, announcing the head coach, so on yeah. and so forth, putting our roster together. Yeah. But what happens on your end? What kind of team do you have to build in terms of personnel, et cetera? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd say that, you know, obviously we need to build, keep building infrastructure and team comprehensively. I think for me, um, you know, one of the, really the thing that I'm working hard on helping lead the charge on is how does our club interface and intersect with our community and city overall? So that's so, kind of pick whatever initiative area of our city you want to think about. Um, as we engage the city, I'm going to help, you know, kind of guide and, and steer and hopefully serve in that capacity. So um, for us, we're looking at um, a couple key initiatives that would that would be kind of Charlotte MLS initiative to serve our city. And those are going to involve some things um, with access to the game. I think that's one of the really big things that we have to be um, good at. And, and, and really take you know take advantage of it in a good way, which is can we can we increase access for people that can't afford the game? It's not easy to be involved, you know. And we have a unique platform as an MLS franchise to go into our community and create those points of access. So that's going to look like school programming, neighborhood programming, um, some coaching and leadership uh, opportunities, you know, to invest back in. So I think one piece is kind of finalizing our strategy of, you know, what are those communities that we really want to serve well? What are those schools that we want to partner with um, and begin to press into those? Second piece is who are we going to do it with, right? Here's one thing that I know to be true, right? You can't do it alone. I don't care what organization you are, what person you are, you just can't do it alone. And so if we're going to make the type of significant impact that we all want to make, it's we can't do it by ourselves. So it's partnerships. It's partnerships within the school system. It's partnerships within the soccer world. Partnerships with the nonprofit world. With the so, a big piece of my role is going to be coming alongside folks in our city that are already doing great work, that have right a passion and, and commitment to the same type of ends that we want, which is you know to create unity and access for for people. Um, and we're going to identify those folks and figure out a plan together. But I think it's going to be 
identifying places and partners that we're going to start to work with. And then we'll start to build a team on the community side that is going to help execute those things. Uh, we got some really big hopes and dreams in the next two years to, to, to help our city grow. Um, so we got to get to work. Is, you know, when you talk about partnerships, yeah. sports is one of the few things in terms of human endeavors that actually bring people together. Yeah. Is that something that, that, that you find is most encouraging that you can oh. be of service yeah. through something that, you know, brings people together? Oh, and yeah. it's not, you know, it's, it's not a divisive type of thing. It's people enjoying the yeah. camaraderie and whatever else. Yeah. Awesome point. So our three core values on our community side is unity, access, and impact. So it is to, to enhance the unity of our city through, the, through this team, through the game. And, and we think soccer does that maybe differently than an NFL team or NBA team can. Um, so I think there's, there's an opportunity to bring a unifying, add to the, you know, kind of the city in a unifying way. And, and think of it this way. There's, um, there's a lot of jerseys in our city, right? There's just a lot of jerseys. Um, our hope is that we'll be one scarf, right? That we'll be, we'll be everyone's first MLS team that they're really, really supportive of, you know? And so the beauty of soccer right, is, it, is it, it's global, so it transcends language, it transcends, you know, ethnic background, it transcends economic um, backgrounds. Um, and so I think we've got a chance um, to really see this team um, bring a unifying component to our city in the Carolinas. And we're going to be really uh, like purposeful to that end. So unity is a really, really big piece. I love it. I love the fact. Here, here's what I think is, is amazing about soccer. Like, where does soccer live? Right? Soccer lives in parks and in a pub and playgrounds, right? And on the streets and somewhat in the corporate world. But it's kind of out there. It's like in the – it's organic. It's, and so um, we get a chance – like our campaign to, to, to engage is going to be – in those places, right? So, how are we gonna how are we gonna engage all the communities that love soccer and are important to soccer? We're gonna we're gonna join them where they are and be a part of what they're doing. And, and I think it's gonna we're gonna bring a unique opportunity for the city to kind of join arms um, and support their first MLS team. And you mentioned having played. Cool. <laughs> it, it, it'll be cool. Wishing you much success. It'll be cool to see come to fruition. Yeah. The dream versus the reality, sure, sure. everything that goes in between. But you mentioned playing all over the world. Was there a moment of playing in a park in a different country where you may not necessarily have been speaking the same language, but simple passing is yeah. all it took? Yeah. Yeah, I personally have had a, yeah, the chance to experience kind of the global language of soccer um, for like majority of my playing career by traveling um, I think that I could probably speak a bunch of them um, one in maybe particular um, but I'll, I'll say I'll two. two one was um, we had a chance to take our team over to Uganda and we had a chance to go um, during the war that was taking place there into refugee camps and and it was amazing like when you came in and we didn't speak the same language and you know you put a ball down, right, and you could actually begin to engage uh, friendship just by passing um, was powerful. Um, we had a chance to do that um, uh, in, uh, in Southeast Asia 
and we had a chance to go into um, a communist country that we got invited in um, because we were playing their national team. But to go into an environment that we normally wouldn't be invited into and to see the power of the game kind of bridge those relationships. So, you know, I could share a bunch of them, but I think that's, and that's going to be the, the picture of this is, you know, what's it look like for us as a club to realize that we're playing with the same ball that everybody else is, right? Um, and we get a chance to share in that together. So playgrounds, you know, complexes, wherever, wherever the game is, we're going to have a chance to hopefully join, join in the game with them. The game is certainly here, and to that end, when you see it all, an, an ideal home opener. Yeah. When, who would, the insert <laughs> given name here, Yeah. who would you guys be playing? Oh, for sure. We would play Atlanta United <laughs> at home. And we'd have 75,000 people in the stands. 75,525? That's right. All right. How many of them will be from Atlanta? True. No, they're going to fill it. Yeah, yeah. Would it all be blue? Or what do you envision as a a color scheme, a name? Give us your picks. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think our city, I don't, just so you know, don't know name, don't know color. Oh, no scoops just yet. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I think you think about Charlotte in general and you see kind of the Panthers and the Hornets and there's a blue. I mean, it feels feels like that's Carolina blue, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. just kind of, not that, sorry, Duke fans. But but in general, you get the gist. Uh, Yeah, I I think that you could see a sea of blue Mm -hmm. in the stadium and we have our opener and we sell it out and it's against... Atlanta United, um, or as or as our owner said, that other city. Right? Yeah, I think was his quote. Why pick on Atlanta? Washington D.C. is right up. Uh, that's true. That's true. Six hours. So I, I or Nashville. It would be or Nashville. But I think I think the clash with Atlanta is going to be amazing. So it would be amazing to be together in the stadium, have you know just a record crowd, and whip them. You know, get a, get a couple goal victory, and you know, and just yeah, just you can you can see it—the songs, the dancing, right? The whole deal—it's going to be awesome. The so. inaugural manager and the first signing. Who would be your dream? Mark Steffens. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Coach Steffens in here signing me. <laughs> Boom. I mean, would you be number nine? What's that? Would you be number nine, ten? Would you have a number preference on oh, that? Oh, I well, the jersey I would wear would be number eighteen because that's okay. what I wore my whole career. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Double but nine. I would play. I'd play as <laughs> not, play as a forward. Yes. Yeah, but yes, wear yes, number eighteen. So <laughs> yeah. four hundred and fifty matches. How many goals? Um, one hundred and thirty-five professional goals. That's not a bad ratio. Some good tallies. Good tallies on there. Yeah, it was an honor. It was good. Dustin, we appreciate you joining us. My pleasure. Yeah. We'll have to do this again soon. My pleasure. Anytime. Okay. Grateful for what y'all are doing, and thanks for QCFC and the work that you guys are doing. What, and I just really just encourage you and those listening to the podcast is that um, it's moments like this, it's podcasts like this that helps our game be great. And so on behalf of a you know participant in the soccer community, thanks. Thanks for what you all well, are gee, doing. That's- that's mighty sporting. Yeah. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're here for you. If we can ever help, um, you know, let us know. And for those listeners, um, you're part of the story, right? Be be in the stadium, you know, be part of the journey with us. It's going to be really incredible. Fantastic. 
fantastic. Well, we appreciate you. And Maestro, is it time? Let's roll it out. I don't have a shot of espresso for this, but that's okay. I've never had a shot of espresso for this. It's yes, just a, it's a pipe dream. Let's, let's do the disclaimer du jour. In the meantime, <laughs> in between time, thank you so much for joining us from Uptown Charlotte for this fabulous episode of Sports Charlotte, which you can find on Queen City Podcast Network. Check us out along with tons of other podcasts that are on there. Whatever you're interested in, you can find it on there. And make sure that you check out all of our content on thecharlottepost.com. Go to the QCFC tab under sports. And from there, you'll find podcasts, videos, stories, the works. If you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, the fourth edition comes out, or volume four, as it'll say in your email, will come out on Tuesday, every Tuesday morning, the 21st at 7 a.m. Drink it with your coffee or tea or water or just stand there and read it. You can sit there and read it, whatever you like. But or make in sure your shower. You have to have a fancy phone for that one. Make sure it's, what, the iPhone 11. You can have it in four meters of water for 30 minutes. We don't yeah. recommend that, by the way. Yeah, because then you'll come out all wrinkly. It's just, it could be a problem. It definitely could be a problem. But make sure that you head over there. The work that we're doing is only possible through your support. Subscribe, donate, whatever you feel called to do. Or if you don't feel called to do anything, all you have to do is share this fabulous podcast with your friends, family, heck, even people you don't like. They, they could use it, too. So even your cat. Or dog. Whichever you happen to have. Yeah. Fish. Billy like fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But until next time, I'm Ashley Mahoney. And I'm her boy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>